0: from the Tiger Cats Audio Network. This is Tiger Cats Game Day with Courtney Steven and Mike Daly. Welcome back to another edition of Tiger Cats Game Day on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. I'm Courtney Steven. I am joined by my esteemed colleague, the Mike makes plays daily, Mike how you feeling today, man? It's game day. Cats are going out of town. Scratching, clawing, fighting, trying to find a way to get that first win. What, what's your take on this one heading into week three?
1: I mean, it's not getting much easier, is it? To go out to Winnipeg, to have to play there. I mean, you know, their fans are always, always a factor whenever you go into that stadium. And, you know, kind of the way that winnipeg's been winning the close ones um and then you know unfortunately tycats losing the close ones it's going to be another tough battle so i mean i mean trial by fire to begin this season but you know you got to get it done and you got to do it in a tough place and i think it's huge for confidence if you can go in there and, and and squeak a win out um but i mean you and i both know every time you you go in and play in winnipeg it's it's tough
0: Right. And there really are no easy places to play in the CFL, but the 0-2 Tiger Cats headed to take on the 2-0 and Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are currently riding a 10-game winning street at IG Field in Winnipeg. So, like you said, there is no rest for the Ticats. This one is going to be about as tough as either of those first two matchups that they had against Western opponents. Saskatchewan got the best of them. Calgary came back late this week out of in overtime, which was actually one of the largest comebacks in CFL history. I believe it ranked number eight on the list as far as deficits overcome. So there's a lot to unpack here, but let's jump into the lineups and talk about who we're going to see and who we're not going to see this week biggest change up front the veteran the anchor i'd say uh one of the keystone players in that offensive line brandon revenberg is going to miss action and that's not something that we've said much at all over his career how does that impact the game with k okafor already in the lineup but stepping into that starting role somebody who's been on the team for a while but hasn't necessarily been the starter all the time more of a support player a role player how does that affect the tiger cat strategy and their game plan
1: well i mean gosh you start to feel for them you know what i mean like <laughs> it seems like it's doesn't it seem like every week we're talking about some sort of change up on the o-line and i mean you know better than I do, the the position group that needs the most communication, the the most camaraderie, right? It, I would argue is the O line. Uh, the amount of the amount of passing that goes on with the twists, the amount of uh, having to understand who you're playing with beside you, that's huge. That's why you see these O linemen play for you know eight, nine, ten plus years, because once you've got it down, it, it almost makes it easier. But my gosh, to go in with a new lineup. Three weeks in a row, and and just trying to learn the people beside you. It's it's tough, but yeah, to have Rev out, that's huge. I mean, it's hard to replace a guy that can play like that. I mean, he, you know, he commands the run game. It, it you just if you're struggling a little bit, you say, hey, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna run right behind Rev. He's gonna move somebody out of the way. We'll get at least five six off that. But to not have that, and you know, again, early. We talked about this before. Get some of these guys some playing experience. Get them in there so that down the stretch we can use them. But to have Rev have to sit out, and like you said, it doesn't happen often, that's that's a huge blow. And, and, you know, you can't really sugarcoat it. With Rev being yeah. out, it, it's going to be tough for that O-line.
0: Yeah, yeah, and definitely the O line. They were heeding the advice of Tiger Cats game day last week. I'm sure uh, they, I'm sure they really needed to lean on us uh, as if they don't get paid to do this already. They did play very well up front last game. Actually, you know, much improved the shift with uh, Travis Vorncall moving into guard, uh, Jesse Gibbon playing center. Uh, I thought they played really well together. Tyrone Riley showing up in his first game as a Ticat and actually having a strong performance. Of course, Chris Van Zyl. So the offensive line has things that they can build off of. I thought that the quarterback was getting the ball out quickly. Somebody we'll talk about, I'm sure, at length in a little bit here. But starting up front last week, the Ticats were really doing a great job of giving themselves an opportunity to make plays by just not giving up a ton of sacks like they had done in previous weeks. Of course, we then can talk about other aspects that are related to the offensive line, like the running game. Again, we're going to see Sean Thomas Erlington, an explosive player, which is actually one of the uh, top receivers for yards after the catch in the CFL, believe it or not, as a running back. He's going to get the start at that tailback position. And then we're going to see uh, Stephen Dunbar Jr., uh, Tim White, Poppy White, David Ungerer third. We got Turnowski coming up off of the sixth game back into action and Braylon Addison will be a game time decision. So this is one of the most balanced receiving cores. All of these guys have and can make plays and I think you're going to need to see all of them show up for all four quarters. Last week, Dane Evans was connecting with a ton of guys. Tim White especially who was having a career day with the most targets that he's ever seen um, but what do you expect from this passing attack and this rushing attack they haven't been able to get it done on the ground quite frankly so far but they have still put up a ton of yards last week do you think that they continue that same trend with the offensive line anchor Revenberg out do you think they still come out pass heavy and, and try to win this one in the air
1: yeah, because I think when you look at it and you're struggling with the run, right, what's the first thing you go to? You go, okay, we can't run the ball. We're going to start throwing some screens, try to get the ball out quick, right? Just kind of an extension of the run play. You throw something out to the flats, whatever it might be. Because right now they are struggling with the run, right? It, it, it is uh, an issue of theirs up front right now. And again, that's the O-line going through a bunch of changes. That's getting into the groove of things. Um, but... Passing-wise, I mean, the amount of yardages that they're putting up right now is is awesome. You just need to control the turnovers a little bit, right? That's kind of what's really hurting us on those close games. But, yeah, I think what you're going to see is, you know, they'll still try to establish a run. I know Tommy likes doing that if, if you're able to run the ball while well, it makes a game so much easier. But look for quick screens, bubbles, whatever it might be, just to get the ball out. It lets the O-line... You know, get a little bit of a break and, and get out and try to chase somebody down and let the receivers do the work. But, core, I'll tell you what, man. The way the way Dunbar and Tim White are playing right now is awesome, right? Braylon, the same. It, it, they're, they're doing a great job at receiver right now. They're getting guys open. They're making tough catches, right? You saw Dunbar hit somebody with a slant and go in, in Calgary, and that looked about as clean as it could be. Um, but look to see that, you know, if, if Braylon's out, look to see Turnowski get into that spot, right? And hopefully not Braylon's not out because, you know, just like you were talking about it with him on the film breakdown, he knows the game. He's that safety blanket for Dane, and he's that, you know, catch it at 5, get 8, get 10, whatever it might be, do that dirty work. So... If he has to sit out and something's going on, then look for Tarnowski to step in there and, and that'll be a good opportunity for him.
0: And talking about yards after the catch, the Tiger Cats lead the CFL with 54.5% of all of their passing yards, 379 of those bad boys coming after the ball is actually so, caught and the receivers are running that ball down the field. And again, just a stat for Tim White, career high 11 catches, 131 yards last week. Let's see if he can continue that streak Moving on over to the defense, though, a key guy is back in the lineup. Big Dylan Win in the middle up front. You're going to need him when you're playing against that formidable Winnipeg offensive line who is, you know, they got Stanley Bryant, who is a veteran, I believe, of 12 years in the CFL. Um, you got Hardrick. There's a bunch of guys over there who know how to move bodies. So, you gotta have our best players up front on that D line. The Ticats' D line is built to stop the run. Winnipeg's offense hasn't been as successful since the departure of Andrew Harris in running and establishing the run game. But Brady Oliviera is a quality back who has shown flashes of brilliance, and there is no time to sleep on this guy, especially when he's spelled by Johnny Augustine, the guy out of Guelph, the young Canadian. Um, he he has some wheels and he can get spinning if you let it but Dylan Wynn back with Micah Johnson inside and then you got Julian Hauser and another Canadian Mason Bennett on the outsides that D-line is going to need to show up to keep Winnipeg struggling on that run game what do you think about that Ticats defense last week they showed up strong but in the end of the game gave up over 20 points in that fourth quarter and overtime, and ultimately that was one of the contributing factors in why they weren't able to walk out the stadium with a W. What's the TyCats defense looking like this game?
1: Yeah, to have Dylan Wim back is huge, right? It's kind of, it's kind of the same kind of thing we talk about on the offensive line with Revenberg, right? Like what Le- Revenberg can help on offensive line by establishing the run, stuff like that. Dylan Win does that on the defensive line. He sh- he shuts down a run, right? He gets pressure from the inside on pass rushes. Dylan Wynn, like we talked about last week, he's a special player, right? And with him in, he's going to make plays. You're always going to see him flash. Um, but you're right. In terms of the Tycats' defense, you know, they're not struggling against the run. And that's kind of been Winnipeg's MO is trying to establish a run, really try to, you know, just keep handing the ball off, handing the ball off, handing the ball off. But – I think what you're going to end up seeing is those two are going to eliminate each other, right? So it's going to what it's going to come down to is it's going to be Zach and and Greg Ellingson versus the back end and the pass coverage, right? I think that's what it's going to come down to because, you know, with everybody with Cam, Joe Vaughn, Simoni, all those guys back in, right? We're getting some some camaraderie, I guess, on that front, the front four, right, and then the back linebackers being there. It's they're going to stop the run. That's what you're going to see. But when you watch any of the Winnipeg games, where those where they win their games as those big chunk plays to Greg, right, to Dembski, those are where they're winning their games. And, I mean, they're not putting up a ton of points, right? So they're struggling through the air a little bit, but that's where it's going to be made. And that's, you know, you look back to Calgary, and just at the end of the game, like you said, it's, it's not that we were getting beat it's it's executing right that ball's in the air we're talking about these 50 50 plays right those have to be made but when none of those are made that's when that ends up happening right you see a couple touchdowns happen that's when those big big leads get dwindled down like it did in calgary
0: well zach caleros is uh no stranger to hamilton he's played them many times he's played for them in the past unfortunately for the Thai Cats, uh two out of the last three times that these teams have met they were in the championship game. And um, you know what? Winnipeg walked away with the W. So there's a few different streaks here that Winnipeg's looking to keep going and that the Tiger cats are looking to snap. But let's talk about Zach Caleros for a second. This is one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. He can move. He can definitely throw the deep ball. And when you've got a combination of players like Greg Ellingson, big, Deceptively fast. He can catch the deep ball. And then you've got another utility man like uh, Dembski who can actually motion into the backfield similar to a, a Poppy White, but he's been doing it for longer in this league. He could take a handoff, hurry up offense. They can put him in the wildcat or split him out and let him run routes. These are the kinds of guys that you'll have to defend all game long because they put you in sticky situations as a defense. Let's talk about how. The tie Cats back end actually is going to line up and play those people. We have uh, Richard Leonard, who plays in the field slot position. He plays halfback to the side where you might find Greg Ellingson. Is that potentially a matchup that you think Zach is, is licking his chops at? Richard Leonard being 5'9 uh, DB going up against a Greg Ellingson, who is, you know, maybe 6'3", six, 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 and a half, six three. half 6'3". Is that a mismatch that, quote-unquote, the uh, Winnipeg offense might be looking to exploit?
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at Winnipeg, where they make a lot of their chunk plays on is when Zach senses any pressure, right? And you'll see it. What Zach's good at, and he's been around the league long enough, is he senses pressure. He knows that that back end's going to be thin. It's going to be some sort of man-to-man, or you're going to have one-on-ones downfield. And he gives his guys shots right he gives his guy's chances that's kind of their winnipeg's mo is whenever they see that pressure they're just going to chuck it up and exactly like you said they're going to sit there and go listen we know richard leonard can cover but when it's going and grabbing a rebound we're going to give it to our 6-3 guy and think that he can win some of those matchups over a 5-9 guy right and i i think that's what's gonna you're gonna see that happen a couple of times and exactly it's the same trend just like when we talked back to calgary it's when that ball's in the air, we got to execute, get that ball on the ground, or go get it ourselves. right? But that's what's going to happen. You're going to see that happen a couple times in this game because we're going to have to heat sack up a little bit, make sure that he's not comfortable back there. But if we don't disguise it and you know people aren't moving around, then you're just going to see him chuck it up and, and give Greg, give some of those taller receivers a shot to go up and get it.
0: Speaking of heating it up, Uh, the CFL leading tackler Winston Rose will not be playing for Winnipeg but they got a guy in the middle who's pretty good at making a few tackles Adam Big Hill who is no stranger to the backfield he's gonna put pressure on the quarterback he's the commander of that defense he's gonna get everybody lined up he's actually one of the key players for me to watch and then behind him you've got Malcolm Thompson the young Laurier grad who is a a playmaker who hasn't necessarily had too many chances to show what he can do in this league. He's had a few injuries now and then, but if you saw his plays in college, this was a guy who was pretty exciting. A sleeper among some very, very good DBs in the backfield, rounding it out for Winnipeg. Houston and Nichols, a couple of sophomores in the boundary. And then you've got Taylor and Taquan Glass, who is actually rocking the old 2-2 but he's he's an exciting player to watch he has a nose for the ball i think this will be a a great matchup for that balanced offensive attack that we talked about earlier for the tiger cats now let's talk about a few specific matchups um i'm looking at adam big hill and i'm thinking you know this guy's a veteran he's done it at the highest level for a very long time Long career in BC, comes out to Winnipeg, does it all over again. He's a champion. He's a leader. He gets sacks. He drops in coverage. He runs sideline to sideline. This guy's like the Terminator. Okay. <laughs> Who is he really playing the game against? My, my, I think my inclination is that this one is really going to come down to Adam Big Hill versus Dane Evans because they're trying to outwit each other. It's not necessarily about the arm strength or the side-to-side speed that Big Hill has. I think it's about getting their unit, the defense for Winnipeg and the offense for the Thai Cats, to be clicking on all senators, to be one step ahead of that opponent, to identify the blitz, to see the coverage, or to confuse that offensive line and try to break protection so they can get a sack. I think it's really going to come down to Dane versus Big Hill. Who is going to be one step ahead of the other and giving their team an advantage because, hey, Dane's coming off one of his best games of his career outside the turnovers. Let's take those away for a second. Let's talk about it. 425 yards passing. Yeah. Whenever you go over 400 yards in the air, you had to be doing something right. They were getting the ball out of his hands. Receivers were catching and running with it. Matter of fact, 36 completions is one away from tying the franchise record for the Ticats. So. A lot has been said about what he needs to stop doing, but what he needs to continue doing is identifying the D, getting the ball out, and giving his guys a chance to make plays. One key matchup that I'm paying very close attention to is Dane Evans versus Adam Big Hill. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's going to be a battle of wits because, you know, Big Hill's seen a lot of things, and he he can see the play before it happens, right? And you've seen that. He's made plays downfield where you're looking at you're like oh, man the safety should be making that play and somehow Adam <laughs> Big Hills over there you know what I mean and then they're gonna match it up and, and try to get him on on one of the new O-line maybe or on on Sean Thomas Erlington right on blitzes and Big Hills a good blitzer so he, it's a game of wit to try to figure out okay how are we gonna stop what the offense is doing well what the Cats offense is doing well and that's airing it out getting our receivers the ball and, and letting them make plays um, so you you're gonna see what they're trying to do, and we're gonna see that early. And I think the Tie Cats are gonna come out and do what they did well last game and just start throwing the ball around the yard. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. I think, I think Big Hill versus Dane. I like how you put that. That's exactly how it's gonna be all game long. What I'm more curious about for sure is mm-hmm. the Willie Jefferson versus the Chris Van Zyl matchup because Ooh. because these two Willie Jefferson's a game breaker. We all know Willie Jefferson, right? We know Chris Van Zyl, the seasoned vet, know what he's, knows what he's doing out there. He They've matched up against each other in big-time games, right? And I think that's where the matchup's going to be because, you know, Willie will ruin a game. Willie himself mm-hmm. will ruin a game, right? And Jackson Jeff Jeffcoat, I mean, don't sleep on him either. We all know what he can do.
0: Yeah, there's no breaks either way. No, but
1: I think that Willie Jefferson versus Chris Van Zyl, the two seasoned vets, They've already played a bunch of chess matches together and against each other. They know each other well. So, to see Chris be able to slow Willie down, stymie him a little bit, right? Give Dane some extra time, maybe help him out a little bit. I think that's a matchup I'm looking for.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? The defensive linemen in the CFL are some of the most amazing athletes to watch. A guy like Willie Jefferson yeah. got to be, you know, seven foot seven, <laughs> it feels like, on the field. The way that he disrupts passing lanes he gets his hands up he's pressuring the quarterback if he's able to create turnovers that is going to be tough to overcome because eight out of the nine teams that have won up to this point in the cfl season have won the turnover battle the only team that has won a game and lost the turnover battle was toronto so I'm not sure that's a stat that you necessarily want to try and go against the grain. It's better to just try and not turn the ball over and keep it alive. But those are some guys, the defensive ends, they're one of the key playmakers in the defense. And you know what? That's what the Ticats have almost been lacking a little bit is they've been getting pressure. They've been stopping the run. They've been having the quarterback flushed out of the pocket to change the trajectory of those passes. And they're making it more challenging, but they're not getting the quarterback on the ground so if that defensive line for the tie cats can replicate or even steal some of those kind of plays where they put the quarterback on the ground hey that would be a big advantage here's another stat for you first downs this year the league average 7.1 yards so if you could win on first down meaning jump up and not the ball down yeah, right stop them from getting so close to that first down marker you're going to give yourself a chance and i think two people who are going to be involved in that specific uh having an influence on that specific stat are going to be cam kelly and and Demski. um Dembski is a guy like i mentioned earlier utility guy he's going to be close to the box he's tough as they come willing to block but also because of that you can't tell if he's going to the box to get the ball, if he's going to the box to block, if he's going to catch a screen. So he's going to give you a lot of different looks. And Cam Kelly, being that Sam linebacker, is going to have to relate to Dembski where he lines up. He's going to have to be ready to fit the gaps if Will Dembski, or if Dembski adds into the box or if he splits out and becomes a true receiver Cam Kelly's going to have to be able to split out and become a true DB. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup to see how these um, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators set these guys up to make plays and give them an opportunity to show their stuff. Two, two Titans, I guess, on the inside clash and two younger guys. Um, so, Mike, any other matchups that you got for this game that you really like? Well,
1: listen, I, I'm, more, I'm more curious about this because, you know you and I, we've been in this situation before, where it's a couple close losses, right, where you feel like you're in the game, stuff like that. And what do you think is going on right now in that locker room, whether it's from Coach O, whether it's from the leaders, whether it's from the coordinators? How how do you think all the players inside that locker room are approaching this game specifically, but also just those two losses, right? Because we're talking the Calgary, you know, that that – them coming back like that, that's one of the tough losses, right? That's not, you know, not all losses are equal. And when you give up a big lead like that, that's a tough one to come back. But what are those guys talking about right now? You know, what's a Dylan Win talking to, to his defense about? What's Coach O talking to the offense about? What's Dane talking to the offense about? What are those conversations? And how do you think they're feeling as opposed to, you know, all the fans out here saying the world's falling apart, we've, we're we owing 2 when really we know that's not a huge deal right as long as you're going in the right trajectory stuff like that but what do you feel is going on in that locker room
0: I think you really have to just have the veteran guys who've been here before talk about the reality of the situation and this is the reality it's week three and, and quite frankly nothing and this maybe is a hot take but nothing in the CFL matters until Labor Day if you want to call a spade a spade you can have six game losing streak and still end up in the great cup it's been done numerous times i've been there we've seen it we started seasons one and five and went to the game so quite honestly it's more about these young guys wrapping their head around the marathon that this is nobody has got a ring yet except for the people who won last year and they just had the ceremony so this is a chance for you to throw some cold water on your face step up and say look we're not gonna give up 21 24 point leads we're not going to be the team that plays for 45 minutes we're going to be the team that shows up we play 57 plus three because in that last three anything can happen in the CFL and you know what you just have to trust the process everything that you've done in the offseason everything you've done in training camp and what you do in your routine from day one through day four walkthrough leading up to a game if you actually believe that those are the right things to do Then you stick to them. You revisit them. You don't change the whole thing and throw the baby out with the bathwater. But you you buckle down and continue to stack good days on top of each other and trust the process that eventually it'll turn. Because, hey, it's week three, man. This is a long season. And anybody who's new, fresh out of college, you know, that college season is about 12 games. You play in Canada, it's maybe even eight. So it's a long year. I think it's very easy to get off-kilter or really blow things out of proportion, but I see a lot of great things to build on, and that's the message that I'm giving. Come out of the gates upset mad that you aren't putting on tape what you know you can, and the rest will take care of itself.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Look at the positives that's going on, right? Dane throwing for 400-plus yards, right? The receiver's making plays all over the place, stuff in the run. It's just executing. It's small things, little things, the close games – and this is going to be a test. Winnipeg, like we just talked about, they're good. They're winning the close ones right now, but that's fine. This is going to be a test, and I think that's exactly what's being talked about. But listen, let's get into some storylines. What do you think is a key storyline to look at for this game? What, what are you What are you trying to pay attention to as you're watching this?
0: Well, piggybacking off what I just said, it's going to be how do they show up in the fourth quarter and they being both teams you know winnipeg hasn't been playing up to the standard that they set for themselves and they've been hearing it in their media beat writers aren't being as favorable as they used to be uh they've set the bar super high winning back to back and whatnot so they want to see that that running game that they had when andrew harris was in the backfield they want to see blowouts they want to see higher scores and i think for the tie cats it's more of can we show that we're a complete team for all four quarters because we asked for them to start fast. Like Luke Tasker, he was mentioning on on his show, saying, hey, "Yeah, if they start fast, that's the key to victory. They started fast, but they fizzled out. So, like, can we carry that through? Can we see a four-quarter dominant all-out effort? Um, I don't think there's ever a chance for a guy who's a pro to really not give full effort, but it's more about the focus. Focus through four quarters. And if they can limit the turnovers... And if the defense that shows up in the first quarter can be the same defense that shows up in the fourth quarter, I think those will be the key elements that play into a tie-cats having a best chance to win. What are you watching in this game, Mike?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm watching watching that the turnover battle and explosions. I'll say this every week if I need to because these are the biggest things. We look at Winnipeg, right, and, yeah, they're not giving up a lot of points. But they're giving up quite a bit of yards. So all we gotta do is just turn a couple of those field goals into touchdowns, right? And that's how you end up seeing these games get out of hand and, and blowing a team out, right? And then for Winnipeg on their end, I'm gonna see what they're gonna be trying to do to give up less yards, right? What are they changing? What are they trying to what are they trying to attack with the TICATS? Are they gonna bring a lot of pressure and say, hey, we're gonna try to get that that new old line for the third week in a row, we're gonna try to confuse them. Are they going to sit back, let a guy like Big Hill try to read things out, make plays all over the field? That's what I'm looking at because I know, like you said, in in their locker room over at Winnipeg, they're saying, okay, we're winning games, but why isn't it like what we're used to right now? What do we need to do to change this? So I think what you're going to see is early on, what are their game plan? What are they going to try to do? Are they going to pressure us quick? Are they going to try to get the ball out, whatever it might be? But that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that turnover battle, us getting in the rhythm, doing what we're doing well, right, getting the ball out quick, day making quick decisions, and just see that yards after catch. Because really, the other thing too is, is as players, you like you said, it's going to be the focus thing. But my, my biggest thing is, when you see these changes and as the game goes on with the coordinators, right? What What is the role in, in that coordinator for, you know, from that first half, come out fast, come out hot, making a bunch of plays, everything's working. You can pretty much close your eyes on that play sheet and go, boom, I want to do this play, 50 yards, you know what I mean? Doesn't matter. What's that coordinator thinking in the second half? Are they looking inside and saying, what do I need to do better? And that's what I'm curious to see, especially on the Ticats end, right, defensively and offensively. What are they going to be doing to change things up? Are they going to change things up? Or are they going to stick with the process? What do you feel with that? Because that's always, you know, something you don't really see, something you don't really talk about is these coordinators and what their role is in, in, as a game going on.
0: So one thing that the casual fan may or may not know is that you enter the game with this whole entire game plan, a script even if you're on offense, maybe the first five to seven plays And when you get into the game, things change, things happen. It may not be exactly as it was planned to be. So the coordinators who are the ones who rise to the top, the elite, the ones who have teams that win season after season and put up great statistics, those aren't the ones who can just plan. They're not the ones whose players simply execute. They're the coordinators who are able to adjust and in the game, see what's happening and make differences with the way that they set things up for their players to put them in a position to make plays so going into halftime specifically that's really the main point in the game where you see game plans shift because that's where you get an actual opportunity to come down from the booth go in the locker room and address the team you get about 15 minutes to give them what you've seen from your vantage point and then say hey we said we're going to come out and run press man that ain't working so what we're going to do we're going to press bail or whatever it may be so Whoever comes out and wins the third quarter is generally the team that's going to maintain that momentum through the remainder of the game. And that is a direct impact that the coordinator has on a team on game day. All the plays are already installed. It's just, which ones are you calling? And you have to be able to read the room, see what the momentum looks like, see who's balling, see who's hot for the other team, and then call the plays accordingly. So. 8.30 Eastern tonight. We're going to see who shows up. We're going to see Tommy Condell and Mark Washington and what they're bringing. If you want to see my theory about the coordinators and who's hot in the third quarter, if they bring that through to the fourth, give their team the best chance to win. 8.30 Eastern, the 0-2 Ticats in Winnipeg to take on the 2-0 Blue Bombers. You can catch the game on the Ticats Audio Network. That's listen.ticats.ca or on the Ticats All Access app. Thank you for listening. My name is Courtney Stephen. I'm joined, as usual, with my, my man here, Mike Daly. And we will see you again next week. Take care. Enjoy the game. It's game day and you're ready. So are we. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at at TieCats.ca. Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly are here every game day with their insights into today's game. Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.